Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination. I'm Mark Vibbert, and with me again, or not again, actually, because Matt had uh, a last-minute rescheduling thing, so he's not with us this week, but our site writer, uh, who, who actually writes most of the stories on our site, Mr. Stanford Clark, is with me today. Hi. Uh, I, I Introduce yourself a little bit, Stanford, and let people know. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. I'm happy to be here. So, as Mark said, my name is Stanford Clark. I've been writing for Animation Fascination for the last few months, and it's been fantastic. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big animation fan, lifelong. I'm, I'm a, professionally, I'm, uh, I'm a writer for a, a medical research team, so this is more of a hobby for me, but uh, I love keeping up with, uh, with uh, everything. I go to movies all the time, and, and again, it's, it's uh, an honor and a privilege to be able to work for the site. So thanks for letting me join the podcast today, too, Mark. This is great. Yeah, no problem. I mean, thank you for coming on and writing for the site. I really appreciate it because you've been getting more people and more traffic to the site since we've had all these writers come on, like with you, Phil, uh, Matt Hardiman, and then uh, John as well. So thank you and thank you to the other three as well for helping us out. And we might be getting a few more on to, to help you guys out so you guys don't have all the weight <laughs> on your shoulders. Well, that was great, and what a great team to be a part of. So thank you, and thanks to, yeah, thanks to uh, the other guys as well. No problem. Today, the guest we have on our show uh, a little bit later is Pixar animator Eric Ellie. So stay tuned for that, because I'm sure Stanford and I will have a pretty awesome conversation with him. We'll be back in a few seconds with our news, because we don't have any new releases this week. for this week uh i'm gonna let stanford take this off because he wrote the first article <laughs> thanks mark so as as i'm sure everybody is, has uh read or seen that despicable me too has just uh been a powerhouse at the box office worldwide the uh film in the u.s alone last weekend earned 82.5 million um and as you know it opened up on on july 3rd which was a wednesday so over that five-day period, it earned 142 million. Huh. Uh, so it's it's, and this is just in the U.S. Um, globally, uh, we read uh, as far as on as of Monday last Monday, uh, the eighth, uh, July eighth. It uh, internationally, the earnings were uh, at 151 million. And uh, you know, I just see that this film has just continued, going to continue to do really well. I think over the next few weeks we've read that it's had a cinema score rating of a uh you know i think everybody that i talked to i know really enjoyed the marketing campaign of the film and i think there's a lot of positive word of mouth all of my friends that i've talked to that have seen it you know took their kids to it um had a blast and i think it's just going to continue to be a juggernaut and in the article i quoted uh, an executive at universal pictures that was saying that the film so the sequel to Stick With Me 2 is performing twice as strong as the original film um, around the world. And Despicable Me earned uh, $291 million overseas alone. So, again, they're thinking that, you know, the, the, the total might be even double that once it's all done. So, uh, really just a big congratulations to 
to the filmmakers on the great success of this this film. I mean, that's terrific. Good for them. What a great success. Yeah, most definitely. So uh, I'm pretty sure besides uh, just getting the spinoff Minions next year, we'll probably also be in store for getting a Despicable 3 somewhere down the line. Oh, with how, absolutely. With how well it did. Yeah. Not to mention continued presence at Universal theme parks, you know. And yeah, they just opened up that that new Minion right there so. in, in in florida yeah and i'm sure this is you know gonna be a huge uh huge huge franchise for them okay. no it was a movie what did you think of it i enjoyed it uh my son enjoyed it a lot too he he loves the minions with and that's what i wanted to ask you do you think do you think that the film relies too much on the minions and on less on actually focusing on on Gru like you you might think it it should, or do you think there is a good balance of of Gru and the other and his his little girls that he adopted, uh, and the minions? A, that's a really good question. I, uh, frankly, I think that the film was was most fun when the minions and the little girls were on screen, when it was just Gru, like those scenes at the mall. Uh, frankly, I got a little bored, but but. Uh, then, you know, the minions would show back up or the cute little girls or little Agnes, you know, or whatever. And, and right. uh, it was a lot of fun. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, I think they probably did rely too much on that because uh, it's it's not like it's it was a groundbreaking story or, or incredibly clever all the way around. Right. But the minions are so funny and so, you know, and so great that they, they, they lift it up. Yeah, and they're actually able to incorporate them more into the storyline this time they're pretty important to oh yeah they were integral <laughs> yeah like yeah without giving anything away they're uh what you see in the teaser trailers kind of hints at how they're being used in the film and i thought that was interesting i did like they've showed this in some of the tv spots now with uh grew and his his uh nacho sombrero with the the guacamole in there the i thought that was funny so. <laughs> That was a good gag. I like that one too. I kind of want a nacho sombrero with guacamole in, in it. So, but <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> uh, I, I know since you and I are both big Disney, Disney, uh, Disney fans, that we were kind of uh, somewhat disheartened to see that Lone Ranger did not do that well at the box office compared to Despicable Me Two. It only made forty-two million over. What was it over the five day weekend, I think or was, it was that, over or was the that five day yeah. period mark? If yeah. I'm not mistaken, yeah, it did not, it did not perform uh, well at all. And you and and do you, you think know, that's just because it was up against Despicable Me too, or do you think there's other issues with people not going to see it? You know, I, my take is that I think that, that you know some of both. I mean, clearly the movie had 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 a lot of bad press. And it's had bad press for a while, you know, when it got when production got halted yeah. all those months ago, you know, I think that uh, I think the press looks for stuff like that to, to, you know, to kind of massacre or potentially massacre films that they people haven't even seen yet. Uh, and, you know, I think Johnny Depp's become an easy target for some of this stuff. But and then, of course, the the the, the reviews and, you know, the um you know, and everything from on Rotten Tomatoes, and, and as well as you know everything that that, that people have been reading about it. Yeah. But I, but too, I, I, there was such a I think a pent up demand for Despicable Me too that 
it was it was a risk I think to go up against them that weekend. Definitely. You know, I, th- I think they would have pre- might have performed better had it opened up another weekend. What do you think? I almost wonder if it would have been like a better like uh, fall release. Yeah, exactly. And maybe ha- may- maybe had Thor open up in the summer and then do that in the fall. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree. You know, I, I don't want to give anything away about the Lone Ranger, but it is quite a serious film in a lot of respects. Yeah. And, and it is PG-13. Oh, yeah, which it deserves. <laughs> yeah, I think for kids would be horrified. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, we had a, co- we had a cover. Uh, I went to go see it with my wife and my, my son, Patrick. We had to cover his eyes for, for like, for one part of the movie. Uh, the rest oh. of it, he was he was fine watching, but we didn't want him to, to see that one part of the end. And Seriously? I, no. I, I mean, they don't actually sh- show that part on screen. I like that we're teasing everybody, so we'll make you go see the movie because we're teasing you about this. Right. You, you see it in a, in a reflection of somebody's eye. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I, I thought, I mean, the movie's not perfect, but either is Despicable Me too, and... Yeah. But I still enjoyed it. I, got, I was entertained. I mean, it, it maybe could have been a little bit shorter. It was two and a half hours long. Yeah. But overall, I enjoyed watching it. I mean, and the same thing that happened with John Carter. I like John Carter a lot. Yeah. And I think what happened with that was that all the films that have come out since that book had been written uh, used that book for inspiration. Right. So the movie was kind of screwed i guess by that just because everyone's like well they did that in star wars well yeah because george lucas used john carter for inspiration <laughs> or other things that were in the movie. <laughs> exactly so. I, I, i'm with you mark I, I thought there was much to like in the lone ranger but uh you know overall again and I, i'm a big proponent for going go to the movie yourself if you're interested in it and make your own decision but but uh it is it is too bad that it, it got it got hammered. Uh, you know the minions, the minions won over the weekend. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, and so, and then the next thing uh, that you were going to be talking about on the site was the Disney Animation Studio slate uh, post Big Hero Six, which will be the studio's fifty. 50- fourth film 54th film right so big hero six right will be number 54 is that yeah. right? so rick girl was 52 yeah and then the uh, frozen will be 53 so 53 yeah. you know i'm a big fan as as anybody's writing my you know articles about this of, of the website uh blueskydisney.com which is run by a blogger who goes by the name of honor hunter and uh Honor Hunter's got what he refers to it as 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 his boffins, and sorry if there is a as a boffins. I'm you know I'm a Star Wars fan, but I don't mean to, to butcher that term, but meaning that those are his his insiders at Disney that are are willing to give him information. You know, um, not wanting to go against their uh, their uh, disclosure agreements or non disclosure agreements, but they give him hints and then he'll publish them. Uh, on on his website so he's got some interesting stuff to reveal you know a few weeks ago he published an article uh you know how the different studios uh basically publish a schedule or or reveal a schedule with exhibitors for films through the next three years or so and disney put threw out some dates but didn't uh, and said that they were going to be either films from Pixar Animation Studios or from Walt Disney Animation Studios. 
but didn't attach any names to them. So, so uh, there's a great article that just got published on BlueSkyDisney.com, which he calls the Clear Road Ahead, and it's and he talks about these different films. So, after Frozen, it's already been announced that the film in 2014 from Walt Disney Animation Studios is going to be Big Hero Six, which is uh, a Marvel kind of an obscure Marvel comic book property that they're that they are going to turn into an animated a Disney animated film. Uh, they've published a little 30 second second uh, clip about that as you, as you might have seen or you can see it on our you know, links to it on our site. And uh, it looks like it's going to be uh, it has potential it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. So the big news is that the next film after Big Hero 6 uh, Honor Hunter says that it's going to be called Zootopia. And the film is going to be directed by Byron Howard, who is a co-director on Tangled. And this is the film that has Jason Bateman starring as yeah. a voice. That we were, you know, we read rumors about that too. So uh, all it says is that the film, all his article says, is that it stars a very foxy Jason Bateman. So I don't know if we can, um, you know, he always puts little, yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, he always puts little obscure comments in there. So I think we could. I guess that would make sense with it. Yeah. Zootopia plays a fox right. in a zoo. I guess he's going to fox. So then the interesting thing in the next film after Zootopia is going to be directed by Nathan Grano. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He he was the also he was the other co-director on Tangled. So they kind of split and, up and doing doing yeah their... doing their own films. And his film is entitled the the, the working title is called Giants. Hmm. So that's that's the uh, that's the next film. I then, wonder if we'll get a cameo uh, from oh, what's his name, the giant. You know the, the... <laughs> yes from Mickey and the Beanstalk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we probably will, and he'll, obviously he'll be in CG form because I'm assuming none of these films are being done hand drawn. Yeah, they all. Which kind of stinks. Yeah, that's kind of stinks. So, but but speaking of that, Mark. So the next film that he that he talks about is is um, the 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 release date hasn't been announced, but most likely it's going to be in 2018. So I think it's beyond what you know Disney had published as far as those those release specific release dates. But the working title of this film is called Moana, M O A N A. And this is the film from uh, John Musker and Ron Clements. They they're the um, the longtime Disney uh, directorial team. They're the ones who did The Great Mouse Detective, Little Mermaid, Aladdin. Uh, Treasure Planet for the Princess and the Frog. Uh, this this next film is going to be a Polynesian tale. That's what it says, um, and the quote is: "It's a Polynesian tale involving the island folk and the idols that made and the idols made famous world over." So he also says that it's going to be this one's going to be a hybrid film, and I've heard other thing read other things about you know about that too. Hybrid meaning kind of like Paperman. Whereas they're they're using CG, but there's a there's some kind of a hand drawn element to it that gives it a you know a very unique style. So I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to be interesting 
to see what, what happens. And the last one, Mark, that he mentions is is a, a, an untitled feature that is a teenage space race animated film that's directed by Dean Wellen. <laughs> and uh, I uh, am trying to remember what else Dean Wellen has been involved in, and I'll, I'll have to look it up. But does that ring a bell to you? No. Um, so I can, I can look it up. But anyway, so... We'll, I'll, we'll look for this article on our on our site or you know or links to it, and you can can uh, get stoked for some really interesting fare coming up from Walt Disney Animation Studios. Very cool. Uh, and then I was I was kind of hoping that they would announce John Cars was going to be doing something after he won an Oscar. For I know. Paper Me Man. too. But Me too. I guess maybe they're not going to announce that yet. Maybe he's one of working on one of the films that they haven't said anything about yet. But, well, uh, you know that he used to work at Pixar too, right? Right. Yeah, so, so uh, well, I mean, he's still in the family because he was at Disney. So it's all pretty much the same thing now. Uh, and speaking of the Disney family, uh, Studio Ghibli, is there's actually going to be a documentary coming out this fall called the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, and it looks behind the scenes of Hayao Miyazaki's workplace. Uh, Slash Film posted a story about this, uh, and then basically what they said, this is the best way to learn about Japan's famed animation house, Studio Ghibli, is simply to watch the films, uh, which I've been doing myself because I had, those were on my shame list for things that I had not... <laughs> For a lot of them, I hadn't had it seen a lot of them. But now, at this point, I've now seen uh, Ponyo, uh, Secret World of Arrietty, Totoro, Howl's Moving Castle, and I just watched Kiki's Delivery Service the other day. So Okay, so you're getting it done. Yeah, so I, I just, I, I mean, I have a few more. I mean, I th think I've watched almost all of the Hayao Miyazaki ones. I still have, uh, what was it? Spirited Away to watch, uh -huh. uh, and I mean, I mean, there's, have there's you seen Princess Mononoke. No, I haven't seen that one either. So I, so I, I still have a few I need to watch, but kind of like the that the Pixar story that was released a few years ago. I mean, if you love Pixar, that's that's a good documentary to watch about that studio. So I'm hoping that this documentary about Studio Ghibli will be essentially the same thing, uh, and it's actually it'll look at the making of two of the new animated films that Miyazaki is working on and the studio, uh, one of them being The Wind Rises. Uh, and then it'll also be talking about... Uh, uh, sorry if I if I butcher these names. Uh, Isayo Takara, uh, working on his new film, The Tale of Princess Kayuga, or Kaguya. Uh, uh, and that one is scheduled for release at the same time as Miyazaki's latest, but was pushed back to a fall release. Uh, so, and then the documentary is set to arrive this fall in Japan, at least. Uh, and we put right alongside that new film. So that's kind of cool. And that the director said, I think having a dream entails having a bit of madness, no matter what profession. There are times when you will go to extremes and times when you are feared by others for that. So... And and like as anyone like us that, that have dreams or aspiration uh, aspirations for things that we want to do, I can definitely 
uh, agree with that because you basically believe in something that maybe no other person would believe in, in in their sane mind, but you keep on believing that you can do it. So I I'm really looking forward to seeing that documentary eventually whenever it gets released here in the U.S. too. So I, I'm assuming you are as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it look it 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 sounds like it's going to be fantastic. And and bravo to you on on getting your Studio Ghibli homework done. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and Mark, I just as an apologies to Dean Wellens, I looked up his stuff. So I may I never forget this because I knew he had done a lot of work. Uh, so Dean Wellens, he's the one who's directing that space movie for Disney Animation Studios, like in 2018. He's been uh, a story artist and an, and, an, and an animator and super supervising animator on a lot of great films. The Iron Giant, awesome. uh, Treasure Planet, Bolt. He was, he was the... Uh, animator uh, of Dr. Facilier in The Princess and the Frog, too. He was a really great Very cool. character. Uh, so, just, any, yeah. anyway, my yeah. apologies. <laughs> I just got, got depressed when you said 2018 because I was thinking about when that, by the time that film comes out, my, my son that's seven right now will be eight, or not, will be 13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's depressing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, man. Well, on that note, we'll be back in a few seconds with our new trailers for the week. See you guys in a few seconds. back with our new trailers for this week the the first one is for like a, a new film that's coming out next september september 26 2014 uh the box trolls just being uh adapted from a book called uh i think it was here be monsters if i remember or or it could just be the box trolls i might be getting other another film that's being adapted confused with it for uh but the, the tr it's definitely a, a teaser in every sense of the word. Uh, it looks like it's footage made distinctly maybe for this this trailer, or it could, you know, be like maybe the prologue for the film when it comes out, because I know how long it takes to animate a stop-motion animated film, so I guess they could, you know, be working on doing it at the same time. And our, our friend, uh, Jonathan, who did the live-action Toy Story thing i guess i actually got to go on a set visit to to like a recently and you got to see some of the sets there so and he, he said they looked yeah. pretty cool that's a cool thing absolutely uh and and then this trailer is cool too but and i know the same people that got upset about casey affleck's character uh when, they, when he said a line near the end of paranorman are going to be those same small-minded people that are going to be upset about what they say in this the trailer and yeah. I, I i like this trailer because it, it says families come in all shapes and sizes even rectangles and it shows like how families can be made up of different people you can have two dads two moms one dad one mom mom and a dad and then and then they like get into a weird uncle uh uh old gra yeah. grandfathers that only like to eat smelly cheese <laughs> they and, bring out all the weird relatives <laughs> yeah and then it says and then sometimes uh there's no family at all 
and then it it shows his, his baby that gets picked up by uh, the box trolls who will be his family and the the synopsis they released for the film is it says the new 3d animated feature from Leica studios tells us tale of the box trolls monsters who live underneath the charming streets of Cheesebridge crawl out of the sewers at night and steal what the townspeople hold most dear their children and their cheeses at least that's the legend the townspeople have always believed in truth the box trolls are a community of lovable oddballs who are raising as one of their own an abandoned and orphaned human boy named eggs uh, when the box trolls are targeted by a villainous exterminator who is bent on eradicating them eggs must venture above ground to save them where he teams with an adventurous young girl to save not only the box trolls, but the soul of Cheesebridge. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to this a lot. I like Leica's quirky humor and uh, films that are... Because they, they fill them with the heart and, and the humor at the same time. And then last year, their film Paranorman was my favorite movie of the year. So, like I already said, I'm definitely looking forward to this next year. What about you, Stanford? Yeah, uh... The the trailer is, you know, done in, in in that teaser style where it looks like it's 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 new footage, probably not footage from the uh, the film. I really liked it, uh, how they just kept it in that basically that one frame, and then yeah. the different the different people were, were, were coming in and whatnot. And uh, you know, I, I I absolutely love stop motion animation and and like a does such great work so i it it uh it, i hope that you'll everybody you know the listeners will go check check out the teaser trailer and it looks like we're, we're we'll be in for another treat of the film definitely yeah and yeah we got kind of spoiled last year for stop motion with with oh i know three films they just happened to all come out in the same year because they worked on them around the same time with the pirates paranorman and Frank and Winnie. So that was pretty cool. I, I, I don't know when the next time that, that'll happen that we'll get that, so many stop motion films in the same year. And all, all three of them were nominated for Oscars last year, too. So that's even better. I'm, I'm hoping that we still get stop motion animated films because I like seeing a variety of animation in theaters. I like CG animation, but I do also like the stop motion animation and the hand drawn animation, too, because each of them are their own art style and can bring their own unique uh, pros to them that some of the other forms of animation can't bring to the others. So, And each of them can help one another. I'd really like to see... Stop Motion actually does use all three sometimes where they'll yes. use hand-drawn animation and CG animation too because I know they did that with, with some stuff in Paranorman last year where, mm -hmm. where they did... Um, some stuff with, uh, the, I don't remember what the, the girl's her name was, that Paranorman. Yeah. Not, that, not Paranorman. Norman uh, had to uh, face near the end of the movie, but, like, they animated the the lightning around her hair with uh, uh, hand-drawn animation, but then they did her face and the rest of her body with the stop-motion animation. So it's cool how they can blend all it together and, and make it seem seamless like that. So. It's, yeah, it's a great art, art form done by really, you know, fantastic artists and filmmakers. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I, I love Frank and Weenie too. You know, it's the same thing, just, just great stuff. So Most definitely. very, very cool. Uh, and, and the next 
trailer we're going to be talking about is the first theatrical trailer that actually was released for Cloud of the Chance of Meatballs 2. Uh, and I know I'm going to have to talk about this again with Matt when he comes back for the next episode because his one of, one of his favorite films is the first Cloud of the Chance of Meatballs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this right. one shows a little bit more of footage from the film. Uh, it shows why uh, Flynn is going back to get the film to suffer. Uh, and it shows like why his, his dad is there and um, and a little bit of stuff like that. So what did you what did you think about the the new footage that you got to see in this trailer? You know, uh, it just looks really fun. I, I think these guys have got such a great sense of humor, and uh, I love those food animals. <laughs> I just think that they're so clever yeah. and and fantastic and. Uh, uh, you know, everything I've seen about this film, it just looks like it's going to be a, a, a ton of fun, as I, I, I hope it will be. Yeah, I love all the, the puns on like how punny <laughs> it feels like the movie's going to be. <laughs> yeah, it really works. Sometimes, you know, puns are, are, are a bit annoying, but for, I don't know. I guess just given the context of this movie and what they're trying to do, it just it looks like it's going to be a blast. Definitely. And, uh, like one of the shots, like where like they're coming up with all these different like names for the the animal plants <laughs> and they just come by one and they're like, they're like what's that like, yeah it's just a tomato <laughs> right. and then the tomato just like looks like it's all depressed after the tomatoes all i know all dejected <laughs> but yeah i'm really looking forward to this i'm to see the, all the like unique designs for like the food animals and the leak in the boat uh and then just like just to see exactly what's going on and how they'll they'll solve the film so right it's going to be interesting to see how you know how the story works and hopefully hopefully it's going to be a satisfying story too you know yeah because there, there's some things that are in the trailer like that we didn't see in the first one on the first trailer and they hint at some kind of story elements so i'll be interested to see yes. exactly where this goes and what happens so definitely looking forward to seeing that in September, I believe, when it opens up. So yeah, I just I don't know. There's something I just particularly I always laugh when they show Flint Lockwood's face and just <laughs> you know just his constant jaw dropping and all that stuff. He you know the, how they draw it is always makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so so definitely looking forward to that. Uh, and then the next one is the the last trailer for Turbo. Turbo. Uh, which will be coming out in theaters next Friday on the seventeenth, or not the seventeenth, the or the nineteenth. Yes, nineteenth. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it'll come out on the eighteenth, like at seven o'clock at night. Right. Or something. Uh, and I'm still unsure of the movie. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that the movie surprises me though. Um, <laughs> what I, I tweeted this the other night was that the film reminds me, uh, what would happen if you mixed the story of Ratatouille with cars yes and then that's exactly what i've been calling it teamwork and then right? threw in a snail and yep. fast and the furious <laughs> right <laughs> uh, exactly with like a superhero kind of thing too because like since he's he's mutated yep. from like the nitrous oxide or whatever that was in the car that he gets thrown into through the trailer um so i'm interested i don't know from from the trailer, they show more of the character that Ken Jeong does the voice of, and mm-hmm. he does the voice of like an, an old, like an older Mexican woman. Yeah, it's right. And I don't, I don't 
I find it kind of annoying. Yeah. But yeah. I'm hoping that maybe he doesn't have that much screen time, or she doesn't have that much screen time, I guess. But they use her a lot in the trailer, <laughs> at least they this do. last one, yeah, and a lot of the TV spots that I've been seeing now. So, again, I'm hoping the movie surprises me and it's closer to being a Kung Fu Panda or How to Train Your Dragon rather than, say, a B movie. Right. Right. I've got really mixed feelings about this film, too. Uh, I, again, the, the the plot, just at least what's been revealed, it seems really derivative of these Pixar films that we, you know, we just discussed. And uh, I, you know, I love racing. Uh, that, frankly, is the only thing that, I, that I'm remotely interested about is, yeah. is seeing the, how, they've, how they've drawn the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and, you know, and that. The, that type of element, uh, yeah. I just I'm not sure about these different characters that they got in it. If it's going to be, again, if they're going to be funny or if it's just going to be just kind of roll your eyes. So it's definitely kind of a wait and see yeah. for me too. Uh, I mean, the animation looks really beautiful. I, oh, I, it looks it looks you know yeah top notch definitely. Now I have a screening for this the Saturday on the 13th. Oh, cool! I'm gonna go to with my son and, and wife. So, fingers crossed that I that I end up liking the movie. Absolutely, uh, and and, if, and then hopefully your son likes it too. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he will. I mean, and and that's you know what they want. So, yeah. But I mean, it, it is always nice when everybody likes the movie. So, yes. I'm definitely looking forward to to hopefully having the movie surprise me. So, with that, we'll go. We'll get into the. Uh, there's a Japanese uh, teaser trailer for Frozen that shows what what appears to be actual footage from the movie, uh, unlike the the American teaser trailer that we got. Uh, and since since you're a big Disney fan, I'll let you talk about it first. But what do you think about some of the footage you have you have to see in the Well, thanks, Mark. I was geeking out over it. I th- I thought it looked really really cool. Uh, it. Uh, you know, again, they, they didn't show a lot, but they showed enough. You could see some more. You could definitely see some of the character design, see some of the uh, different places where, you know, the story takes uh, takes place. They they kept it with all those really uh, short edits. You know, they, 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 they showed a lot. They, they cycled through a lot of stuff, but uh, I... You know, I'm biased. I'll be the first to admit it. But I thought it looked. I thought it looked really, uh, really cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this. Well, I like seeing all this kind of finished animation in in this trailer that we didn't. You know, because this looks like obviously, like I just said, like footage from the movie. Yes. Uh, and we see a few characters that we haven't seen in it too. Uh, like there's there's a old guy in the back of one shot, which. I'm I'm guessing is probably uh, the the character Alan Tudyk is doing the voice of. Uh, is he the shorter guy? He's like uh, he's like this older this guy. He's got middle? a mustache. Uh, it's in, it's in a scene with uh, Anna. Okay. Where, uh, where she's like looking, she probably is looking at her sister. I'm, I'm assuming yes. Elsa, and she looks all concerned. And then there's like some guy behind her running, uh, which I'm assuming is uh, Hans maybe. Or it could be, yeah, it's, it's probably Hans because Kristoff is 
is that dude that's on the on he's um, the mountain. Yeah, yeah, he's on he's on Svian the the reindeer. Whatever you yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm assuming because I mean this other guy is you know like characterized enough where he seems like he'd be a main character in the movie. So I'm gonna go ahead and assume that that's uh, Wesselton, uh, voiced by Alan Tudyk. So looking forward to that. Uh, there's there's some cool scenes in here too, like where it shows Elsa like freezing the ground, and you can see like the ice moving across the water. Yeah, I like. I the... love that as she's running that one where oh, she's and, shooting and out like, of her hands. Yeah, oh that one. I was gonna say that's I think my favorite shot. Of the, it's I think it's the very last shot before they put up the title oh. in Japanese where. It looks like, yeah, stuff. That's where she, some of her eye skills or whatever, <laughs> she yeah. shoots out of her hands. And there, there's like some scenes where she looks like she's more like being toyful or like playful with the shooting the ice, and like other scenes where like she, she looks she like, like she's upset and like yeah, she something. looks pissed and she looks mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I'm definitely interested to see hopefully a trailer like this in the U.S. soon since I don't. No Japanese, so I have no idea what they're saying. Yeah, I've asked my friends <laughs> who speak trailer. Japanese, and they couldn't figure it out either. Uh, what, what was being said? And then, of course, this was like it looks like it was done during like a Japanese like game show or like talk show or something because there's like right. rainbows and all that other stuff. Yeah, all this other stuff going on. So, speaking of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and the Blue Sky Disney blog, he mentions that a full. Uh, you know, a full trailer for the film. We can expect it probably around the same timeline as Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs 2, which I believe mm-hmm. is, is September. Does that sound right? I think that's yeah. when that's coming out. I was figuring either down, either then or or maybe maybe attached to Planes next month. It would sure make sense to put it with Planes, but yeah. you know, I guess we'll see what 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 they decide. Either that, or maybe we'll get a teaser trailer for a Good Dinosaur with with Planes. Oh. Or maybe they'll wait until Frozen to do a teaser trailer for for a Good Dinosaur. Now we're talking Mark. That'd be awesome. Usually we get we usually we get the Pixar teaser trailer with the most recent Pixar film, and this year was kind of different because they have kind of they have a Pixar spinoff film that's not being done by Pixar, but as a spinoff of a film made by them. So. Yeah. They put that in front of it instead. Uh, so, and that probably will end up happening next year too. We'll get the trailer uh, instead of for uh, Inside Out. We'll probably get a trailer for Planes Fire and Rescue with the good dinosaur instead of one for Inside Out. Yep. But I bet you're you bet you're right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So I mean, we we have. Hopefully we'll get get a U.S. one soon. Or if you listen to our show and you, you know Japanese, uh, send us an email and let us know what the trailer said. Uh, so those are our new trailers for the week. Uh, we'll be back in a few seconds with our recommendations. See you guys in a few seconds. Recommendations for the week. Uh, before we, we get into recommendations, uh, 
We wanted to really quick talk about the the French Frozen posters that were released. Uh, it seems like all the other countries are getting getting the really cool promotional stuff for Frozen, and we're not really getting anything yet. Uh, what's kind of cool is that if you put uh, the Elsa poster together with the Anna poster, they kind of come together and, and form like a cool like uh, panoramic uh, poster, kind of like the, the triptych posters, but you would need one more poster for me to triptych. Uh, but, sure, but concept, yeah. And like w- what we were saying, I, I almost wonder if uh, like this power that Elsa has uh, maybe like overcomes here at some point in the film and should be she kind of like lets overtake her and she becomes evil and, and like maybe like her, her sister Anna has to save her and make it so that she isn't evil anymore or something like that. So I'd be interested to see if something like that happens. What, what do you think about these posters? I think they're pretty cool as well. I think that they're re- really cool. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a marketing pro, but I am, you know, uh, definitely a, Consumer of films and a you know, movie lover. I uh, I almost wish that we were getting these same sort of teaser posters in the, in the U.S. I think that they probably are more representative of the of the actual film than what we're getting. But anyway, that being said, thank goodness for the internet, we can see these fantastic yeah. images. That snow castle or whatever or snow palace that you get a glimpse of in the Anna poster just looks. You know, tremendous, and just you know, again, just like a great, which is what great uh, design. Uh, I'm excited to see that on the big screen, and then on the uh, Elsa poster, the uh, you know, uh, I love, I love her cape, how that yeah. skin, how that's designed, and again, I'm just, uh, I'm excited. Little to snowflakes on it. Yeah, seems to be like her trademark to like put the snowflakes all over. Right, the place. it just looks like a, a terrific design, and. And, uh, and I'm geared. It's kind of cool on these posters is that they translate to the Snow Queen in, in French. So they're using like the original title of, of the Hans Christian Andersen story. And it says from the, the creators of Rapunzel. Of Rapunzel. Because, yeah, yeah so. they, in, those, in those European markets, they, they called Tangled Rapunzel. Yeah. And yeah. so they'll continue calling this one the Snow Queen. So I mean, and I guess that I guess it makes sense because that's that's where most of like the the old fairy tales kind of like you know originated. So, and that's what most of the most uh, people in those countries know these stories by. Whereas I would assume most of uh, most of us in the U.S. aren't as as cultured with like stories and stuff like that from the past. So calling them frozen or tangled isn't as much of like a, a way to downgrade the marketing for us, I guess, you know? Right. Or to me, you know, I mean, not that it's a, a princess movie, but clearly there's, there's some kind of royalty yeah. involved. And that, I guess that's, uh, I guess been found to be a turnoff for, uh, for, uh, little boys, boys and, and different, different segments within the U S marketplace. And, it's like whatever, folks. It's a Disney fairy tale, you know. Get over it. It's all. It'll be great. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I guess if you are a little boy, you're like, do I want to see a movie called Rapunzel or? Do right. I? Although I mean, if if you're a little boy, does it be called Tangled making more difference to you? I know. I just I I, I don't get it. But I do recall, if, if I'm not mistaken, Mark, and you see if you remember this too, that 
for for Tangled, the I think that some of the, the the teaser posters internationally were of the of the tower. Yeah. Uh, so and the, again, the same the thing and with the name, you know, the, with Rapunzel. However, it was translated, you know, um, depending on the on the country. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, and the, I guess the the final thing on that too is at least with uh, Tangled being called Tangled here. I think that was good because it's just as much uh, kind of Flynn's Flynn Rider story as it is Rapunzel's. Yeah. So absolutely. just just calling it Rapunzel, Rapunzel, <laughs> Rapunzel, <laughs> uh, Rapunzel, uh, maybe isn't you know like showing the full story. And Tangled is good because they become intertangled with themselves, with uh, each other rather, and change each other's lives that way. So the title worked for me. Uh, you know, I, I really didn't have any any qualms with it personally. And I think Frozen will work okay for this too. And but I mean, I mean that remains to be seen since neither of us have seen the the finished film or the anything finished like film. that. Yeah. Uh, I I also, I mean, I didn't hate the teaser trailer too more. Yeah. I just thought it it introduced a couple of characters. Yeah. Looks like it's going to be a comedy set yeah. in you know wintertime somewhere and. Uh, uh, it, it seemed like a fun, a fun way to, to create some interest in the film, but really not give anything away at that's this right. point. Which I didn't mind, but that's just me. Right. So yeah. So that's that's our thoughts on on the last little bit about Frozen. So here's our actual recommendations for the week. Yes. Uh, mine is a thing called the West Factory Rebellion, which is kind of a mixture of uh, puppetry and stop motion animation. And it's a story about a group of kids who are held captive in a mysterious factory at the edge of the world, uh, forced to work in coal mines by emotional robots. They hatch a plan to escape in what is known as the West Factory Rebellion. It's got a really good, a great use of music in the film, really cool, interesting, like, visual shots in it. Uh, and there's a great mixture of, like, the style of the stop-motion animation that they use in it and just, the like, the style they used to develop their characters and as well as the, the puppetry that they used in the film too. So, uh, and it's written, directed, filmed, produced and edited by Tom Eckers. So definitely check that out. What did you, what did you think about it? You know, I was really impressed with it, Mark. Thanks for sharing it with me. Uh, I thought it, it, you know, very stylish, uh, like the mixed, uh, medium, you know, there were mediums that were used and, uh, just I just thought it was cool. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm not being particularly articulate about it other than uh, definitely I, I, I agree with you. Check it out. It left you speechless. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so check that out, guys. We'll have it in the show notes. And what was your recommendation this week? You know, um, I just, even though it's, it's, it's a bit of old news, but I, I'm hoping that people are checking out these new Mickey Mouse shorts that yeah. that Disney is has putting um, on Disney.com as well as once a week they're they're bringing out a new little short and they're putting on the Disney Channel. I think they're doing it over the weekends, and uh, they're, um, they're 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 pretty clever and and not necessarily what you you think. In fact, they're maybe even a bit edgy for lack of a better a better term just because probably you just don't you just don't expect it uh now if i'm not mistaken the the uh 
one of the creative uh, people that Disney brought in to work on this was Paul uh, Rudish. Yeah. Or Rudish. Am I sounding right? You know how to, am I pronouncing his name right? I believe that's how you say it. And Paul has got uh, a great, you know, uh, resume. He's worked on uh, Dexter's Laboratory and the Powerpuff Girls on and Samurai Jack on, on uh, Cartoon Network, which are which are three of my favorite he, his favorites. He also worked on that really cool um, Symbionic Titan. I don't know if you ever saw, ever saw that on, on Cartoon Network, but it it uh, it um. So he worked really. Gen- he worked with Gendy Tartakovsky a few times. Yes, yeah, and so uh, you just you know, he, I just like his his sensibilities. He's got a great sense of humor, and and it really it it, it really shows. I think in particular, I'm just recommending that that you all check out this Yuttleberg short. It's it's really funny. I I think it, great, really great creative visuals, and uh, some really good some good inside Disney or Disney inside jokes. If uh, if you're familiar with with uh, a particular ride at, at, at Disneyland, it's 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 pretty funny, and uh, just you know, I, and again, clever humor that you just wouldn't expect from modern day. Disney, so um, I, I I hope you'll check it out and, and that you'll all enjoy it. I also think that the latest one that they came out with called Tokyo Run, if I'm not mistaken, that's if that's the title, is is a lot of fun too. Mickey's in Mickey's in Tokyo, Japan, okay. and uh, there's a there's a bullet train and and uh, stuff going on. It's uh, and it's fine. And stay to to the end on that one because there's another great cameo. Well, there's there's two cameos there at the end. One from a, a uh, Disney film, and then one from from a, a Disney. A from a <laughs> well said. Well, from from W Disney. From yep. There you go. But yeah, yeah, I've liked both of them. And then our our friend Vactor, who who writes or yes. is like the manager for the YouTube channel, and used to be a, a full time host on the show. Uh, used to live in Japan and said that a lot of the stuff in that short is pretty accurate to the uh, goings on and at least the bullet train stuff in Japan. So, you know, that's cool to know. I've, I've wondered about that. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. Except I'm assuming, except for, you know, like the jumping, <laughs> riding on the top and jumping yeah, from one train to the other. And <laughs> yes, but uh, the other stuff is probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then like you were saying, like I talked about last week, I did. I talked about the um, what was it, the one where they they were at the beach, uh, with Donald. Yeah, no service. I believe yeah, the it's no called. service. Mm-hmm. Uh, like with how edgy that one is, like for what you would expect from like a Disney animated short. And yes. there's some of the same kind of things with this one, not as far as they went in that one, but uh, and then there's the the New York weenie one that they released recently. <laughs> Yeah, with Mickey going after the hot dog for many in Central Park, uh, with with Betty White doing a voice in that short, because um, <laughs> she's everywhere nowadays. Yeah, she is. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying these. We talked about about a couple of them with with Austin and Chris last week. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of these, and they're all available on on the Disney Shorts uh, YouTube channel, and they're also available if you want to buy them on iTunes as well. And yeah. I th- I think the Croissant de Triomphe one is still free. It was when we did our last episode. So 
Okay. I mean, I would go check, but if not, they're I mean, they're free to watch if you don't want on them on YouTube. So. Well, and they also have a uh, an app which yeah. they had you know put in their press release, and I found that it's now available. The one um, on the Apple App Store is called Mickey Videos. Okay. And it uh, or just Mickey Video singular, and uh, it basically just provides a little interface, you know, that shows that'll that'll launch these these videos as well as some other ones uh some more vintage ones that they've been playing on disney channel or some of those uh those uh, edited ones that i believe they call have a laugh that that uh you know they that, how they've kind of shortened oh yeah some of the classic mm, ones and for them. i have yeah. a, i have two of the dvds that they did of that but and then they have like those remix r e r e m i c k s Yes. So yeah, it's cool to see them kind of like redoing uh, some other stuff. Um, and then you had written about it a few times the the short that we're probably going to be getting in front of Frozen with that's like the rediscovered yes. uh, uh, Mickey Mouse short with Walt yeah. Disney doing the voice of Mickey, but then it like kind of segues into like a it goes from that. Like I guess it starts like in a like it looks like it was done like way back in in right. the, the 30s and then that rubber all of a sudden it Mickey. it comes oh yeah like the get a horse right yes get a horse and then uh, and then it like opens up into like the CG world so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they they do that exactly I'm assuming some kind of you know like paperman type magic going on with like the CG and the hand-drawn animation mixing together and just exactly how they'll meld where the footage that they found and then putting in the new footage with it and exactly what will be in there so excited for that and you guys can like we said check them all out in there and then disney has their own uh video basically disney tube it's not called disney tube but right that's Dis- what it is it's more or less like the disney version of youtube where you can check out all like their videos and Stuff right. like that too. So check those out. We'll put links in the the show notes, uh, uh, and then we'll be back in a few seconds with our interview with Eric Ali from Pixar, and we'll ask him his recommendation at the end of his interview as well. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be back in a few seconds talking to Eric. Welcome to the main topic of our episode today. We have Pixar animator Eric Ely. If, just in case, give some background about yourself for everybody listening. Yeah, so uh, I've been at Pixar now for a um, little over 12 years. Um, started off as a production assistant actually back on Monsters, the original Monsters, Inc. Um, and then got into the animation department on The Incredibles. Uh, and have worked on almost every film since then. Um, actually, the first film I missed was Brave, but everything from Monsters all the way up through The Good Dinosaur. Awesome. Uh, so I guess what initially fascinated you about animation? 
You know, as a kid growing up, um, I was always into art. I think art was just a part of who I was, you know, more so than a hobby. Uh, I just was always doodling and sketching. And I also had just a real love for movies. Um, I was constantly watching films. So I think when I was a teenager, maybe even younger, like around 12 or 13, I got my first old 8mm film camera from a flea market. And just started making stop frame animation films with, you know, G.I. Joes or clay and toys. And it just seemed like a perfect meld of my love for movies and art. And uh, just kind of grew into a lifelong passion and, and ambition, really. Awesome. Yeah. Eric, how did you originally start at Pixar? What was, what was the story of you getting hired and, and, and getting your production assistant job? Yeah, I, you know, I, I went to, to film school down in uh, Santa Barbara uh, with a focus on animation. And getting out of school, I knew I really wanted to get a job as an animator um, with Pixar, you know, being top of the list. But I was well aware that, you know, my reel, my student reel was really weak. So coming back up to the uh, Bay Area, I started looking around for different opportunities and noticed Pixar had this production assistant gig. And I thought, you know what, it's a great way to get my foot in the door while I continue to work on my real, you know, nights and weekends. So started off on Monsters, uh, was lucky to, to get a, a, production a production office assistant job. And um, it was great. You know, it was all the stereotypical making copies and getting coffee and kind of running errands. But it's really a great way to kind of get your foot in the door and start meeting people, making connections getting a feel for the pipeline, you know, how, how the films are really done here. And, um, you, you know, it was just kind of a, a great opportunity to, to get in. And a couple years later, when a fixed animator job opened up, I'd been working on my reel for about two, two and a half years. So it was a great way to just slide that, you know, across the desk and uh, just right place at the right time. That's really cool. Because I, I've had... I've had some experience myself, like doing production assistant work. So it's cool to hear like your progression of and how, like how you started there at Pixar doing that and how you've you know built yourself up over the the years. And I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's you know it's there's something to be said definitely about paying your your dues and yes, you know you really can appreciate everything. And for for me, it was amazing because um, you know I had a really strong interest in animation, but. You know, as a production assistant, making photocopies for, you know, script sessions and getting to see storyboards and then taking notes and lighting reviews. It was really an awesome way to just kind of get a flavor of everything and really get a good feel for the uh, pipeline. So, you know, it, it can be hard, though, I have to say, you know, when you come out of school, you've got that that dream job that you just want to jump right into. And it can be so hard to be that close and. Right. seeing it every day and not be able to actually touch it. You know, it, it definitely was a challenge, but I'd highly recommend it for anybody interested. And they, they kind of do that with, uh, not to give anything away, but they, they kind of sh show that in Monsters University as well. Yeah, which I Mike thought was great. Yeah, a, a really fun, you know, it kind of takes you back. It, it's a different ending than you might think in, in a really fun way. So when you started as a fixed animator, what are what are exactly are the the duties that a fixed animator has to do? You know, it's it's kind of changed over the years. I know early on, um, there'll be a lot of little things, fixing intersections. You know, characters will be walking through objects or 
um, you know, feet going through the floor. So there's really subtle fixes. And then on Incredibles, um, you know, Brad Bird really brought a whole new level. He really raised the bar on animation. And so the fix process became much more about fine-tuning, um, you know, helping polish to a really, really fine degree. And um, it, it really was, it was almost like the most amazing, like, graduate school I could ever go to, you know, to be in meetings, to just learn from Brad Bird and, uh, and see exactly what it took to get animation looking as good as, as possible. And so over the, the years, it's, it's kind of evolved into just its own, you know, subgroup of really just trying to plus animation um, and also support other groups. Um, it's a lot of times clothing and hair simulation might not work with something that's, you know, right out of the department. There might need to be subtle tweaks just to make sure that the clothing and effects and hair all can, can really be, you know, done successfully. So it's, it's a wide group. Uh, fixed animation is really a lot of different hats, but they really help push everything to the best that it you know, possibly can be. That's awesome. So, like, basically, you'd work on like sometimes when they show like the kind of quote unquote like, like bloopers. Sometimes that they show on like some <laughs> of the later Blu-rays, like where, like, say Merida's hair is all messed up and stuff. Like, you would fix stuff like that and like fix things with like with the software like that, or yeah, like a lot of times, you know, when we're animating, we we just really focus on the the graphic image from the main camera. Just really, it's all about composition and what looks good from there. So off screen, if you see a character from the waist up, there's a good chance those legs are going through each other. They may be, in some cases, those legs may even be two miles, you know, in the opposite direction. You know, it's little things that you don't even realize. But when they're putting on a super suit or a pair of pants or simulating hair, um, everything's, you know, even things off screen have to behave correctly otherwise you'll see some pretty wild behavior. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Which is fun too, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Eric, I read on your IMDb bio that you both were an animator as well as a crowd animation lead. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind stepping into the process of what it's like to do crowd animation as compared to working on an individual or a singular character. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, back on... Uh, on Ratatouille, we we had always done a lot of crowd animation in the department, um, just kind of a group effort. And back on Ratatouille, we, we realized we had just a huge number of very, very complex shots. So for the first time, they kind of form, formalized this crowd animation and, and crowd technical groups. Um, so I was the, the first uh, formal crowd animation lead. And ran a small team of animators and our job was to pretty much pick up any characters in a shot, say maybe over six or eight. So you have main characters that feature animation will take maybe a couple secondary, but uh, above and beyond that, you know, once you get over into eight, 10, 12, up to thousands, then the uh, crowd technical group and crowd animation group would work together to, to generate cycles and run simulations to, to take care of those, those larger shots. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see too, um, on the most recent films, the, the backgrounds, the crowds have just grown. I think MU is a great example of how far it can really be pushed. There are so many characters 
And um, so many little fun vignettes, too. That's the thing. You know, you almost want to see the film over and over just to to pick up all the, the little fun things happening on campus and the quad and in the hallways. There's some great, great pieces of animation in there. Uh, definitely, yeah. Especially, like, all the, the range of, like, what the characters look like and the sizes mm-hmm. and whatnot, too. Yeah, which is a crazy challenge, you know. With some films, if you've got cars or rats, you know, it's the same basic skeleton. So you can generate cycles that can be transferred, walk cycles, running, cheering, laughing. That Those can all be kind of rippled through different sizes and shapes as long as they're the same skeleton. But, yeah, when you've got slugs and characters with tentacles and, you know, one eye, 12 eyes, you know, it, it really makes it a unique challenge to, to figure out how you can generate animation and sprinkle it across so many different different monster types. It's really cool. Cool. Uh, so we kind of talked about this, but what was the process like for you of moving up in the, in the ranks? Was it, did you have to apply for each uh, kind of next job that you had or as you worked in that, that area, did you eventually just get promoted to like the next thing? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a really open department, which is great. And uh, actually the, the whole studio is really open and it's, it's wonderful that you can, you know, express interest. Um, if there's areas of growth you really want to work on, people will help you out. They'll help with mentorship, um, additional training that help push you. And, um, it's one of those things where they, they really do kind of keep an eye on, you know, talent and promote from within. And as opportunities arise, people show special skill sets, you know, they'll, they'll definitely, uh, give them opportunities to, to try new things and new leadership roles. So for, for me personally, it was great. You know, I, um, I did fix animation for a couple films, got to do some, some background and additional animation. And then it was one of those things where I just kind of did a great job, I guess, on a bunch of crowd shots. And from there, it just was one of those things where they asked me if I'd like to try that role and, you know, I, I did it and had a blast doing it. And uh, I think I'm on my fifth film now as a crowd animation lead. So it's been fun to, to, to kind of break it up here and there. Um, Toy Story 3, I, I got to go back and just animate for uh, a, a little while. And then on Monsters University, I, uh, again, had about a year to animate, which was a blast. And um, stepping back into the crowd anim lead role for The Good Dinosaur. Eric, are there any films that you watch for inspiration on a regular basis you know i've i find inspiration all over the place um it's you know there's so many wonderful examples of of acting um all over i mean these days you can find some really fun comedic bits even on on television and then of of course when, when when it comes to acting you know it's it's always great to look at what's out there and especially that that list of you know academy award nominated films and you know best actors and we really study all that to to really try and figure out what it is about each of the performances that you know really just create not only create a believable character but really give that character you know a soul and a real sense of of being and and sense of like history is there any like favorite characters uh, from from films you've watched in the past that that you kind of continually, I guess, use in that same vein for inspiration. For, for inspiration, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. You know, there's there's times when I'll even find myself 
coming back across films, even like Napoleon Dynamite, you, you know, or some of these hilarious movies where I just stop and think, wow, you know, there's, there's some really funny bits and the characters are just phenomenal, you know, and the, the um, uh, Coen Brothers films too are, they're so character driven and just watching some of those films, you know, it's almost just about really getting into the character versus the storyline. Sometimes the stories almost kind of take a take a back seat to just flushing out these amazing and really awkward and funny characters. So, um, yeah, those are some some really good ones. Yeah, yeah, I always think that the best films are the ones that are like more character driven than. Mm-hmm. And well, actually, like a, a good blend of the character and the story, like relying on each other, which is why I like Pixar movies so much. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it's it's really hard these days too because, you know, it's everything is bigger and flashier, and a lot of times it can just be, kind of a visual overload, and then you just say, "What is going on?" And I actually don't even care about these characters, you know. Yeah, definitely. It can be hard. So, now that you got, you got to work as a, an animator on Monsters University, what was your favorite scene that you got to work on in the film? Or were there multiple scenes that you, were your favorite? I had a lot of fun on that show, I, I have to say. It was, it was really cool, too. I, I came in early um, after Cars 2, took, took time off, and got to do some theme park stuff and some other projects, and came on to Monsters when they were just kind of finishing up pre-pro. So, it was neat to be in there early, and... Um, the first sequence I, I remember is when Sully and Mike first go to the Uzma Kappa house. And there was a couple shots in there with uh, Don with his hot cocoa train, which was an absolute blast. You know, it was really fun kind of exploring his character, you know, and trying to figure out the tentacles and um, just kind of how he talked, his mannerisms. But I have to say, I think that the favorite shot I got to work on was when they broke into Monsters, Inc., and security finds them. Uh, the shot of Art saying, I can't go back to jail and taking off from him was my favorite by far. That was, that was a blast. I love the show. It was cool. That yeah. was fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, um, yeah, it's, it's always fun when you do a shot like that that can get laughs, you know, going to the theater and, and just hearing the reaction, you know, is, it just makes it special you know all pixar films are are so visually beautiful one thing i really noticed about in monsters university was was the lighting Mm -hmm. if you would mind talking a bit about some of this new lighting software that was used in the production of the film yeah you, you know it's it's amazing that that each film just continues to raise the bar you know in so many different areas um it's, it's crazy to even think, I remember back on Monsters, Inc., it was such a challenge for them to even render, you know, all of Sully's fur, you know, um, however million hairs he had. And then to, to go into this new world with so many characters, make it such a vast, unbelievable landscape, and then to add this new uh, global illumination, which really just adds an amazing um, um, amount of realism and depth and, and life to it. It was, it was pretty Im- impressive. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not, you know, I'm not too technical and don't know too much about how they pulled it off, but um, it sure looks stunning. Oh, it does. It's a thing. Yeah, gorgeous. I remember some of the, like the, 
the college like like the fake college as they did for the film that and like the shots in that like how they had racked focus reminded me of like different shots from the social network so i thought it was cool that they were able to kind of sim uh use i'm trying to figure out the right word uh generate a look like that for the film that made it had that realistic look like that yeah yeah yeah, it was un unbelievable. It's, it's neat. They they do take you know inspiration from all over the place, you know, and it it is, it's so apparent. But yet you you know I mean there's there's even parts in there that harken back to some of the really funny kooky you know college movies of the eighties, you know. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. So were, were there any favorite characters uh, that? that you had that you were able to animate in the film? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say, you know, animating Mike and Sully was, was fantastic. I mean, that's, uh, on the first film, having not had a chance to, to actually touch them, you know, getting this second chance was great, you know, and any animator that, that gets to, to do shots with, with Mike and Sully or, you know, Buzz and Woody, you know, it's, it's really cool. And, um, I, I definitely had some really fun, fun shots with them but of the new characters i have to say art was a blast you know challenging to, to try and figure out exactly how he moves because he can move in so many wild and unique ways um and then even somebody like uh terry terry was oh, yeah. very cool although early on when i was on the show you know we were still figuring out terry terry a lot and he was challenging you know there's only two eyes but two heads and and then you say, okay, normal torso, but four arms. And then you go down and say, oh, my gosh, all these crazy tentacles. So, <laughs> you know, figuring out even just something simple like a walk cycle, you know, was a real challenge and a lot of exploration. So a lot of fun. And then having to, to make the two characters kind of interact with each other. but Yeah, and exactly. Then, yeah. make them feel different almost. Yeah. So, you, you know, after a while, all the animators – kind of added little bits and little things to really flush out that, that character and figure out, you know, what a walk looks like, how a character like that could even run and jump. And so you finally land on all those basic, you know, dynamics to really sell the weight and the physics. And then you say, well, but they're actually going to kind of be at odds and wanted to do different things and throw each other off balance. And, you know, it was, it was cool because that just added a whole other layer to it. Did you kind of feel like you were graduating yourself since you had started with Monsters Incorporated and then worked your, worked your way all the way up to becoming an animator on Monsters University? Kind yeah, of like a definitely, yeah. It, it, it was kind of a surreal, you know, moment when I first went on to the show. You know, it, it was a really cool arc, you know, to, to, to kind of look back on. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Eric, over the um, 12 years, you know, this is probably a challenging question, but... Do you have a favorite memory of your time working at Pixar? Wow. Like just a, wow, an overall favorite memory. Right? <laughs> yeah. it's, or, you know, memories. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because people ask me favorite movies, you know, and that's a, a tough one. Uh, yes. So, but, yeah, favorite memory. That is, man, I, early on I'd, I'd have to say there were some, some moments on Incredibles, Um that were just huge, you know, nailing a shot and just, you know, having Brad get fired up and yell, you know, at the screen, yeah, you know, give you that sense of approval because he, man, he is amazing, 
George Orr, you know, just dynamic and loud and so vibrant, full of energy, and it was really in, infectious. Um, so I think a couple moments on that show early on were kind of like those career highlight moments that were special, but I think of all of the films and all my experiences, I think being a um, crowd animation supervisor on Cars 2 with John was huge. And um, the relationship, you know, with him being a uh, supervisor on, on that show and just kind of having some one-on-one -on -one conversations and, you know, conversations on the phone on his way home, you, you know, or just times where you just kind of step back afterwards and say, wow, you know, this is crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. I can't even believe that I'm working here doing this right now, you know. <laughs> All right. Did that just happen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so with that, is there any advice you, you'd want to share with aspiring animators or just dreamers that would like to work any, anywhere at Pixar? Yeah, definitely. You, you know, with anybody that's got a strong interest, especially if they've got a passion, you know, if you're passionate about something, if you just focus on it and, you know, really just give it your all and just know that if it's something that you want more than anything, you know, just keep at it. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it, it may take time. And when you hit roadblocks, when you hit walls and you get rejected, which happens a lot, you know, um, time and time again, even getting my job as a, as a, uh, uh, PA initially, you know, I came in for interviews and didn't get it, didn't get it and had to keep coming back. But, yeah. you know, if it's what you want and it's who you are and something that you're just going to do no matter what, you'll, you'll see it through and you'll, you'll realize that uh, dream. So keep at it, keep going and, uh, you know, live the dream. D definitely. Awesome. Yeah. I would, I would definitely have to agree with that because I've, I think I've applied maybe 20 times a show in like the last three years to different uh, assistant jobs there at Pixar and uh, I keep getting the, the email back saying that they're moving they're going in another direction but I don't let that deter me I just keep looking for other positions I can apply for and yeah exactly. eventually I'll eventually I'll be your co-worker exactly beautiful yeah and that's definitely what you have to do you know it's it's hard it's hard to to put yourself out there and feel a sense of rejection and say well you know maybe this isn't for me but you know especially knowing how things work here and how there's so many variables and, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with you many times. You know, there may be somebody here that's a better fit for the job and, you know, or somebody knows somebody that kind of gets an in. So it's always good to just, yeah, keep, keep going, keep at it, make it happen. You mentioned that you uh, were working on The Good Dinosaur. I'm yeah. wondering if you could give us any updates on that film and if there's anything else you can share about what you're working on next. Oh, man, I would love to. It is, you know, it's one of those things, The Good Dinosaur, all I can say is probably nothing, unfortunately. But I'm really hoping that <laughs> sometime soon, you, you know, they'll put something out there. I know we're all dying for a trailer or a yeah. teaser. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been an absolute blast. You know, it's, we're, we're just really excited and uh, can't wait to share more soon. So keep an eye out. Very cool. Well, thank you. We're really excited for that film, too. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and then I guess to close out, we usually share our recommendation each week of something that we've been watching and we want people to check out. Is there anything you would like to recommend to the listeners that, that you recently were reading or watching and you want them to check out, too? 
Yeah, um, you know, anybody interested in animation, there is a great series of uh, flip books. I don't know if uh, if you guys have the like the uh, Nine Old Men flip books that were yes. put out. I can't remember the the publisher off the top of my head at, at, at I think the it's moment. It's Disney editions. I yeah, believe. it's like did, yeah, it's man, phenomenal. So anybody that really is interested in animation, um, you know, it's so easy to pick up a computer program. And start pushing and moving things and getting things to kind of come alive. But boy, when you look back at at the unbelievable history of you know Disney feature animation and look at what these great masters were doing, and then really study and break it down. Man, there's so much knowledge to be learned. And um, you know, a lot of times people, it's almost like people. Don't want to focus as much on the story, or don't want to focus as much on, you know, the the principles. They just kind of want to get in there and get their feet wet. But uh, a resource like that is really invaluable. So definitely check it out if you haven't already and are interested in animation. Very cool. Uh, and just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast, Eric, taking time out of your day to come and talk to us and. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. This is great. Yeah, we thanks. really appreciate it. Uh, uh, I'll be editing it as quickly as I can, and I'll share with you exactly when I have it online so you can check it out yourself, too. Beautiful. And keep applying. I want to see well, you over here. Come on now. Every, every time a new position opens up, I'll apply for it. Good. Beautiful. Right on. All right, sir. Well, we will let you go. So have a good rest of your Wednesday night. You, too. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks Eric. Best there. wishes to you. Bye. Thanks. All right, guys, that is our show for the day. We want to thank Eric again for coming on the show. That was a it was an awesome interview. We really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, I want to thank Stanford for again for coming on and filling in and helping me out when, when Matt couldn't come on today. Uh, don't forget, you guys can individually follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark Vibbert, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T. And I'm at Stanford Clark. And you, you guys can sound that out. Uh, and then um, you can also follow our guest, uh, Eric Ellie, on Twitter at Wild West Side. Uh, and then if you want to follow the show itself on Twitter, you can follow us at Animated Podcast. Uh, and then if there's anything in the show you don't agree with or like maybe you got something wrong or you just want us to talk about something in an upcoming episode, feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit our website at animationfascination.wordpress.com, uh, and you can find all of Sanford's articles there as well. You can also like us on Facebook just by searching for Animation Fascination and, and joining the over 400 and, I think, 30 people now on there. So I'm Mark Fibbert. For myself, Stanford Clark, and our guest, Eric Ellie. thank you for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time, guys. Later. Thanks again, everybody. Later.
I want to make sure I pronounce your name right because it, it's spelled differently. So I want to make sure. And I, I know my last name gets uh, butchered when some people try to say it. So I'm going to attempt my best. We have Pixar animator Eric L. Uh, Eric Ely. E- Eric Ely, okay. But that's awesome. Good. Very close. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> For myself, I'm Mark Vibbert. And I'm Stanford Carl. Right, thank I, you. I, Oops, sorry, Mark. That, that, was, that was me. I screwed up. Hey, Eric, sorry for continuously butchering your name and pronouncing it Ellie when you said it's Ely. It's my bad. I'm sorry.